Welcome back to Peep's Corner, where we talk about the newest Peep trends. And this week we're talking about Dr. Uh, Dr. Peepers. Dr. Peepers. Uh, the Dr. Pepper flavor Peep. Which happy is... Happy Easter. Uh, happy Easter. It is not as... It is exactly what it is, but it's sort of got the jelly belly problem. It, it's just not quite there. It's just not quite there, and it's like just the essence of added on to something that you already... It's like Dr. Pepper infused. Yeah, infused marshmallow already, and which I don't know that I want a Dr. Marshmallow. So... No. You know? But it's I it's, signed up for the pepper, not the mallow. It is <laughs> a pepper mallow is a specific kind of um chili pepper grown in South Carolina. <laughs> I don't know. I it's was, much softer than the ghost reaper. It's much much softer than the ghost much reaper. Much kinder to your intestines. Yeah, the these pepper, are these are rock mallow. facts, of course. <laughs> they are all rock facts. <laughs> I was too scared to eat the Dr. Pepper. I don't like peeps in general. I don't need it tasting I, like a stale Dr. Pepper. I have an enormous stuffed peep toy that i was bought uh, my love of peeps is famous interesting yeah. apparently not too famous because we didn't know about it yeah well but I, famous among others that he so actually it, opens well, up yeah. people i speak to eat speak to about easter more people often you perhaps like. yeah <laughs> people you're not obligated to hang out with once a week that's right no yeah. the, the only reason why i'm here i i was i was supposed to go on vacation man this is just a job till i figure out something else I'm like, I'm well, like, because you've been doing it for 28 years you're a veteran <laughs> you're a veteran of the I feel, team i feel more like chris pine than uh Denzel everybody wants to be Chris Pine, but <laughs> yeah. some yeah. of them are just, just Denzel. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wake up and I'm I'm the guy who's um, Leonardo DiCaprio's a dirtbag cousin uh, who runs the uh, <laughs> math in the the, uh, the, the, yeah. the goateed fellow. Yeah, Professor Professorson. From the yeah, that, yes. that, that's probably more yeah. me. Uh, more the more. uncle on uh, yeah. Grounded for Life. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Hey, why Kevin are we talking Corrigan. about? There uh, we go. There it is. <laughs> why are we talking about Chris Pine and Denzel Washington? Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where we gather around a table and we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course. This week's film is Tony Scott's Unstoppable, starring one Denzel Washington, one Chris Pine, three Rosario Dawson's. No, really, just one. As many as they'll give us. As many as they'll give us. Uh, but uh, th- and also Kevin. They should Corrigan. remake that uh, "What Happened to Monday" movie with Rosario Dawson. Okay, I'm there for that. Sold. Netflix call. We've <laughs> got an it. AI movie and a Rosario Dawson vehicle. Yeah, we 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 are pitching all kinds of scripts. We could put Rosario Dawson in the AI vehicle as well. Oh, she could be the voice of. She could drive it. Oh man, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm there for it. Hello, uh, again, uh, we're going to let you know this, though. This he froze. Is... <laughs> he malfunctioned. <laughs> we broke the steward. No, I'm good. I've recovered. Uh, this is an analysis show, not a review show. What's and that does mean we're going to do spoilers. Ah. That's the difference, is we do spoilers. And so we'll uh, generally try to avoid spoilers at the top end of the show. We'll have a thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews, which will not spoiler. Uh, before that, there'll be a synopsis, which won't spoil, of course. Mm-hmm. We'll play a little game called Expanding the Syllabus, which might involve just the gentlest of spoilers yep. and then uh, finally we'll get down to business and then we'll have music to let you know that all spoiler bets are off we need to identify our voices though for the dear listener who might be tuning in for the first time i'm still dustin i'm still arthur i remain dalton and we remain uh denzel washington stands yeah punch my ticket because i'm on board yeah toot toot i am i'm, I'm there chooka, for chooka, chooka. <laughs> <laughs> choo choo i think i can uh so with that arthur you picked this movie yeah. I assume you like it. Tell I, us why. I pick all or tell us what it's about. Railroad veteran Frank Barnes is prepared for a routine day working with rookie engineer Will Colson. But the day becomes anything but ordinary when an unpiloted train begins building up speed, thus becoming an unstoppable danger to anyone in its path. I so want a Gary Busey in a bomb. I really, really in a did. bomb. No, and a bomb. <laughs> a Gary, a bomb named oh, Gary. Busey. I wanted Gary Busey to play the train. I want. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> the, the, the dark, just running down the track. The, the dark version of Thomas the Train. Or one of those uh, the man carts, you know, the, yeah, I know, the hand carts, hydraulic yeah. cart things. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is the movie, Arthur. <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine starring <laughs> Gary Busey. <laughs> It would make with stop. Nick Nolte as the conductor. It's a very different film than the one we watched. Yeah, no, that's no, for sure. no Ringo Starr um, narration there. I'm not sure what we would do. But has Nick Nolte worked with Gary Busey? Probably. Surely that would make. Is sense. it unhinged? I'll, 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 I'll do the get, work. Yeah, I'm on it. <laughs> you, you tell the nice people what you think about Unstoppable. I love it. I absolutely love this movie. Um, I came to this movie. I don't know when. Uh, I've gone on record several times on the show saying. Uh, that I think Tony is the more consistent of the Scott bros. And uh, Unstoppable speaks to that. I, I you know, um, I think he just knows very much what he's about and how to do it. Uh, we've done a number of his movies on the show. Um, I've seen a number of his movies. And I, I think he is just one of the all-time great action directors. Um, he's got a number of very strong collaborations with Denzel. Uh, starting with, I think, Crimson Tide, and then uh, working all the way to this, Unstoppable, his last movie in 2010. Uh, they do two together on trains, uh, well, Subway, with Taking a Pelham 123, the remake there uh, with uh, Denzel and Travolta, uh, which is also very fun. Uh, but Unstoppable just works. Um, it takes a real-life incident that, by all accounts, as Dustin and I watched some news footage, uh, was fairly anticlimactic. Slow-moving train. Yeah, it was, you know, obviously not what we get here. Uh, and then he just jacked it full of adrenaline, uh, and Denzel being Denzel, and a hot-headed Chris Pine, not too far off of Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, a year, actually, yeah. off of Star Trek. Maybe not even that far. Uh, as probably, far as, yeah, production-wise, he yeah. probably had some overlap on these two projects. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Chris Pine very much doing a similar kind of... Young, hotshot, chip-on-his-shoulder type performance. Uh, I think him and Denzel work very well together, though. Uh, Denzel, you know, we talked about this uh, when we were watching it, that uh, feels like he's, like, showing up to work to be like, no, I'm going to make this my movie. Uh, And not in the Will Smith kind of way, but just in he's Denzel. And if you're not careful, Denzel can overpower uh, because he is usually better than anybody else on set. Mm. Uh, and so I think Chris Pine plays well with them, though. I, I think they have some fun banter, totally. some fun back and forth. Uh, that's really fun uh, as they're going back and we get them kind of uh, in conflict with one another based off of the, uh, we've kind of got the old timer veteran conductor versus the young rookie who may have gotten this job because his uncle works for the railroad on that kind of nepotism angle. And all that's uh got a nice human conflict going on and then we say hey the train is unstoppable can you stop it denzel and denzel says yes i can because Mm -hmm. i know more about railroads than everybody in uh the midwest and eastern seaboard uh and he does and he does and he is great at it I, i just think it's tight it's a tight 90 almost it's a little over that it doesn't slow down uh every time you think the stakes are about as high as they can get uh tony finds a new way to do it uh when, when the bus full of school children is the starting point. And right. it only goes up from there. Uh, I think it's just a fun play. Obviously, it's very facetious, very silly in that. But I think as far as an action movie goes, it's pretty close to perfect for me. I, I think it doesn't stop. I think the action works. I think the thrills work. Um, and I just really like the kind of grounded way it's shot here. 
kind of reminds me of some of Soderbergh's work in the early 2000s as well. Um, but the visual style here uh, is is good for me. And then, I mean, Rosario Dawson, uh, you said him already. Uh, uh, Kevin Corrigan. Kevin Corrigan's a lot of yeah, fun. He's federal he d- guy. Yeah, we got a lot of, oh, that guy. You know, we get Louis Elastic, uh, Ethan Suppley as well. Um, but yeah, Pine and Zell getting to have some fun. I just love it. I, I could watch it kind of whenever. If it's mm. on, I could watch it. I could go watch it right now. Maybe I just watched it a couple of days ago. It's just easy viewing for me, and I think it's just so well done um, as far as action direction goes. And it's tight. It's concise. Uh, and it's to the point, and I like that about it. So, yeah, I enjoy it. It's one of those movies I, you know, I don't know that I knew much about it other than Denzel Train, Tony Scott. And when I watched it, I was like, man, that's that's all I need sometimes are Denzel Tony Scott in a train. So there you are. I like Unstoppable a lot. Thank you for obliging me. Very good, very good. Uh, what do you think, Dalton? Do you like Unstoppable? Yeah, this is a good picture. Uh, four out of five stars. Jules, uh, just get out of the way. Yeah, I think this is a great time. Uh, they don't make these like they used to, I say, 13 <laughs> years later. When we used to make pictures. Yeah. <laughs> we used to have a country. Yeah, we used to build things, etc. Yes, yes, yes. Everybody knows how I feel about the state of the industry. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just really on board. Uh, choo-choo. Let's go. I, this is a great time. Arthur's already talked about a lot, what work, a lot of what works. Tony Scott's very Tony Scott style being one of those things. You've got the Dutch angles, the digital color grading, sort of the shaky frame. And I know we just uh, criticized G.I. Jane, uh, his brother Ridley Scott's direction in the action scenes of that film, doing some kind of uncon- unconventional choices. Uh, Tony just knows how to walk it right up to the limit of, you know, being a little too much for the form. Uh, but, you know, he he has a control over, like, what's going to be a, a good touch for the movie and what would be too showy. I, you know, I just never, I always, I, I notice Tony Scott's presence as a director, but I don't feel like it, you know, he's, he's definitely got, you know, if we're, if we're using auteur theory, you definitely go, oh, okay, that's, this has got his style all over it. But he, I don't know, I don't feel like he ever overplays his hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm, I'm right there with you, Arthur. I think all of his choices here are really, really fun. Um, you mentioned Denzel as sort of like the hyper competent character. And I kind of like that about this film is that most of the cast is just hyper competent people. It's yeah. yeah it's just a people sitting All in the people in, in the muck. Yes. Except for Ethan Suppley. Yeah. Know what they're doing. Yeah. Rosario Dawson. I mad. guess her boss, Kevin Dunn, uh, his character is yeah. kind of out of the loop and making the wrong call. Yeah. He's, he is, Corporation Inc. Exactly. Right. But he's the, the yeah. Wayland Utani guy that's yeah. going to get us all killed. The federal inspector also yeah. knows what he's talking yeah. about. And yeah, Ned, the always late guy, is also just like super clutch. He's he, it's good that he's always late, which I love. I love mm-hmm. that. That's a fun. That's just a yeah. fun detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like like you said, everybody who's in the muck is knows what they're doing and knows what how to is, is doing a good job of trying to figure out how to communicate with the other people involved in the problem. And that's I think part of what works really well about this film is it's sort of place as an infrastructure film and just being a, you know, civil servants and bureaucrats talking about stuff, using jargon, teaching you a little bit about trains and uh, letting you get to know about what what would happen if something went terribly wrong. And uh, as you said, it's fun that it's got gets to do the based on a true story thing. But of course, turning it all up to 11 and move movieifying it definitely makes it a more exciting time. And uh, yeah, it's I, I took very few notes because I was so sucked into this. It's a quick 90 minute watch, like Arthur said, and it just doesn't let you let you take a break. It just builds up a full head of steam. It does. I have more, yeah. more train analogies. <laughs> Pushes along. <laughs> very good. Very I'm, good. I'm steam engine mode. Yeah. Yeah. Choo choo. Shovel coal. Yeah. Just shovel it right into me. 
Uh, I, I'm, I'm on Team Trains. A lot of cool train stunts in this movie. Holy crap. They had three real trains that they borrowed from different railway uh, networks, and boy, did they use them well. Uh, mm-hmm. Just cool stuff. Knocking doors off of cars, flipping trailers, uh, really, you know, kind of seemingly unsafe stuff that I'm sure they figured out how to do in a relatively safe way. Uh, but yeah, just really kind of impressive, uh, practical set pieces. Uh, and, and even when the, you know, the CG gets uh, brought in to kind of heighten things, really not that noticeable, you know, really well integrated into the shot. Um, just an overall, a very competently made exciting action vehicle. And like you said, the, the central Chris Pine, uh, Denzel relationship really works kind of an anti-training day Mm. sort of movie. Yeah. Sort of what if, what if the opposite of Alonzo Harris, (laughs) what if you had the nicest guy and the the most competent and and most above board guy you possibly could be having your first training day with. Who takes unconditional pride in his job. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just a fun time with the movies. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah, it's packed to the gills with character actors and, you know, oh, hey, uh, as, as Arthur said, I, it's just uh, it's a great time. I'm so glad you suggested it because I've was i been wanting to catch up with this for a long time because do like Ridley or uh, Tony Scott. And uh, wow, what a last film uh, it really does make you wish that we had a couple more Tony Scott movies to enjoy. But uh Alas, this is this is a good one to go out on. Dustin, what about you? Are you as positive on this as us? Oh yeah, I like it a bunch. I mean, it's it's very fun. It is uh, super watchable. The the, the suspense all there, there's a way in which the movie is in some senses predictable insofar as it's going to ramp up the suspense and you don't care. You know that this is not going to be quite enough, it's not going to work, and there's mm. going to need to be one more solution and one more solution. And and, and you're sort of aware that, that this is what the movie's going to do, and you don't care. You just keep watching. You keep wanting mm-hmm. to be invested in it. And I think that's really, really uh, smart scripting and really just smart editing to uh, mm-hmm. keep us on that level uh, with it. And I, and I do think the, the movie is edited within an inch of its life. I mean, that's really what makes all of of the uh, suspense and action really, really work. Really well-edited phone calls, too, right? And yeah. great acting on the phone calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, nobody, nobody's phoning it in, Yeah, uh, as they say. Uh, Arthur so, and I talked about this after seeing Air this week, and I thought about it again. It's not something I think about a lot, either. I only thought about so it because we talked about it in Air. Yeah, exactly. And that it was fresh in my mind, yeah. so watching Unstoppable, I was like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah another movie good, doing this really good, competently. Good phone call talking. Yeah. Uh, and again, great performances. Uh, I, I, I love a movie in which... There are people on the ground with expertise, mm-hmm. and there are people in corporate who are fools, and yet there are smart people. Again, I'm looking at, and I, I think you gave the character actor's name a moment ago, but I, I still don't know. Uh, Kevin Dunn. Kevin Dunn, is yeah, he? Yeah, the, the executive. No, not the executive. The guy with the goatee. The guy that's Leo's. Oh, Kevin Corrigan. Ke- Kevin Corrigan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Kevin Corrigan, who uh, knows the math and knows that you've got to do this dynamic braking, accelerating kind of thing. That's not a spoiler, I think, for whenever they come up with a solution for possibly slowing down the train. And uh, that the science guy's right. Mm-hmm. The the guy on the train's right. It's just the idiots up in corporate. Yeah. And so I, I, I love uh, a film that acknowledges different realms of knowledge. Uh, because sometimes you just get the one. You know, well, we're, we're drillers and we know what we're doing. We don't need your science or whatever, Armageddon. Uh, or, you know, that kind of thing. Or we're the scientists and you, you know knuckleheads you know you've been doing this one way your whole lives but i'm trying to show you a better way i don't i don't care for that but where the science guys and the the guys with you know grease under the knuckles all know what they're doing is just again the fools up in corporate in the suits 
that's fun for me. And so I like that dynamic uh, a lot in the screenplay. Uh, Denzel is great. I, I don't know. We've already said these things, but. Denzel's great. Uh, Chris we Pines. devoted whole marathons to yeah, the man. The, he yeah. is, he's, he's, he's never, ever just sleeping on the job. And uh, I, I really, really appreciate this performance. And uh, just it totally works. Uh, so, yes, um, I like it a lot. Um, I, I was thinking a lot about the Internet meme, I Like Trains, from the song. Um, and, yeah, I like trains, so I'm kind of there for it. You know, I was looking at the Wikipedia page for this movie, and somebody who likes trains has gotten a hold of that Wikipedia page. Oh, yeah? Yeah, a little, <laughs> little info on the real-life disaster, quite a bit of info on the real trains they used. I love train heads. Awesome. It's an interesting, like, area Culture, of knowledge. Yeah. What, what, what a niche. What a yeah, niche. Totally. Uh, very, very fun. So there you go, dear Lister. Those are our thoughts on Unstoppable, and uh, we're going to keep going because we really, really like it. We cannot be stopped either. Nothing can stop us. We're all the way up now uh we're gonna move on to the next part of our show which is a little game we like to play called expanding the syllabus arthur can you explain that certainly uh i almost read the synopsis again (laughs) (laughs) expanding the syllabus is a thought experiment wherein we the hosts uh we're gonna assemble an academic course or module within a course uh based around the assigned viewing for the week and adjacent texts uh, that could be books or articles to any tangentially related films, stories, et cetera. Very good, very good. Dalton, do you have a syllabus prepared? Yeah, you know, I already kind of tipped my hand a little bit, but I, I want to do something that's focused on infrastructure films, films that are looking at how things operate. Fun. You know, uh, my, my beloved M would fall into this category, I think. Uh, but that wasn't really the first thing that came to mind. Uh, I really thought of uh, more stuff like uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, mm-hmm. dealing with the, sort of the highway conspiracy. Mm-hmm. We're really doing that so i don't have to talk about chinatown uh milk you know just city governance and uh well you know bigotry and uh Mm -hmm. assassinations and uh a lot going on in that film but i i think uh a really good uh you know portrait of a city and portrait of somebody trying to get more involved uh i I like that of course the wire would be great for something like this any class Mm -hmm. where you're going to use media to look at season two especially with the longshoreman yeah yeah Yeah. i have five as well too with the newspaper stuff right right a lot of people don't like that season but i think it's valuable yeah yeah Uh, but again if if you're gonna do you know how, how does stuff work with media the wire is a great place to start of course um, I, I think the film Failsafe, which I like a lot and have brought up a couple mm-hmm. of times, a Sidney Lumet film uh, about um, a nuclear uh, incident. Um, really good film. Uh, really kind of a, a different look at things than, say, Dr. Strangelove, which would also be great for something like this. Uh, the Post, uh, the Steven Spielberg film yeah. from a couple of years ago. Uh, I think yep. a, another fun journalism film, but uh, enough overlap with government and journalism to kind of look at uh, the interplay between those two bodies. Uh, the classic Mr. Smith goes to Washington, I think is useful here too. I've, you know, a film that's a blind spot for me, but I think in a class like this would be really good. Uh, but probably, you know, the media sections of this class would not be the biggest focus. It probably would be a class more focused on, you know, local and uh, municipal governance and how, how that functions. It'd probably be a one-on-one type class. Mm-hmm. But I think you could use a lot of media examples like Unstoppable uh, to kind of uh, look at how how we kind of... I don't know, we make heroes out of uh, regular folks in our media a lot. And uh, it's it's fun when we, we do it with something like train workers. You know, I think that's what's so fun about Unstoppable is the hyper-competency we see of, of people on the ground trying to solve a problem. And, and a lot of these films, whether they are centered on people failing to solve problems or people attempting to, uh, you know, do better, uh, a lot of different examples in this is vain. I, I tried to find more, uh, but uh, there, there's, uh, you know, 
not as many people looking for municipal based governance films as me not as many not as many people googling uh, infrastructure movies as me uh so it's not not a tapped market quite yet yeah but uh, is, uh is Aaron Brockovich kind of falling into that oh yeah that would be a good one too yeah I mean it's a legal thriller yeah. but yeah it definitely I think fits Some procedural into stuff about. exactly yeah and that's kind of what most of I uh, mostly I'm looking at procedurals that deal with you know how things operate as far as keeping the wheels of modern society going uh, I'm really interested in yeah. how unstoppable kind of looks at the human error that goes into a catastrophe like this but then also the you know the human know-how that goes into fixing it uh, how, how about you Arthur how would you teach unstoppable well, once upon a time, I had an idea for a marathon that never got off the ground. It was going to be called Great Scott. And we were going to do a point-by-point career overview of the Scott brothers. And I think that's what we do. This could be a continuation of last week where I looked nice. at Ridley's kind of feminist trilogy mm-hmm. um, or quadrilogy. If we looked at uh, Last Duel, which I hadn't Tell seen. Tell me Tony's got a train trilogy. <laughs> I wish. He's got two. Does yeah. he? Pelham yeah, and this. he's got Pelham. Oh, yeah. But I don't think he's got another one, unfortunately. I think so. That's too yeah, bad. He left us too soon for that. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. But it's okay. He's got planes, trains, and automobiles, though. That's true. <laughs> I like it. I like it. He does have that. Uh, so anyway, we're going to start here at the beginning. Uh, we're going to take a look at their first films. So we look at uh, Ridley Scott's The Duelists from 1977. And just a few years later, we would look at The Hunger uh, from Tony Scott. Uh, both of these kind of unique points for both of them. The Duelists kind of an uh, independent British drama period style piece uh from ridley um maybe a bit different from where his career goes in yeah. the 80s uh which is an interesting place for both of them because i think they both start in places that their careers actually diverge pretty hard from uh which takes us to tony and the hunger which uh while a vampire movie yes, uh, does have a lot of his signature style is very much this art house independent movie it's incredible yeah it's very it's got sam neil right no it's uh david uh, bowie david, and oh uh, that's that's right Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. um uh, sam neil's of... daybreakers yeah I, well, I was i think i was actually thinking of <laughs> i think i was thinking of possession oh yeah uh, but yeah yeah I, I know which movie we're talking about now yeah, yeah bowie um but yeah uh, that's where we would start from there we would look at the tom cruise movie mm. and so we would look at ridley scott's legend from mm-hmm. 1985 the fantasy Epic that nobody watches uh, was starring alongside Tim Curry. Have you seen it? I've seen it. Yeah, that's one out of a billion. Um, Tangerine Dream's got a great score on that movie. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. He's got too many trivia notes about uh, Legend. <laughs> uh, but we look at this an, an early point for Tom Cruise as well. Uh, and to keep that pretty even killed, we would look at Tony's uh, Top Gun. I figured a yeah. year later, uh, where uh, they make one of the biggest movies of, of the decade. Uh, I think it's safe to say. Um, and so we'd take a look at that. We'd take a look at Tom Cruise and both of those, how both are directors are utilizing him in their films and what a difference a year might make in the course of that. Uh, from there, uh, we would look at the feminist movie and to keep this sort of evenly killed as well, we would actually take a look at GI Jane, mm-hmm. the kind of gritty action movie. And then we would take a look at Tony Scott's Domino sure. starring Kieran Knightley. Um, I don't know this movie at all. You don't know Donna? Uh, she no. is a former model turned hitman. Or bounty hunter. Bounty hunter. Yeah, and I yeah. think M- uh, Mickey Rourke as yes. well. I'm pretty sure Mickey oh. Rourke is in it. Yeah. Yeah. But it it's is interesting kind of, cast. Sign me up. Both have the strong female lead gritty action film. Uh, and I think it's interesting to see where both of them, we've talked a bit at large about Ridley and feminist heroes, protags, but 
we haven't really seen that with Tony as much. And so I think it's an interesting point in his career, just eight years apart uh, in those two movies. Uh, so it'd be fun to look at how they both handle that. I think Domino retaining much of that sort of visual style that we see five years later in Unstoppable. A ton of, I mean, really all the Tony Scott sliders are turned all the way up in Domino. Yeah. He's really, yeah, really working. Really fingerprints are all over the movie. Mm. There you go. Uh, next, we would take a look at the tragic hero coupled with their trademark lead. Uh, so we would look at Ridley Scott's Gladiator, uh, starring Russell Crowe, mm. uh, who he has worked with at least four times, if not more, um, throughout the course of his career. Uh, coupled that with Man on Fire, mm-hmm. I think, which is kind of the most liked and famous of his Denzel collaborations uh, there with Denzel. Um, but both dealing with the idea of the tragic hero mm-hmm. um, who has this mission before them and the decisions they have to make along that way and see how both of these are handled. One is the period action one as the kind of modern action movie as well. Uh, finally, we would end with the spy movie. And uh, so we would look at Ridley's body of lies. Uh, and then we would look at Tony's uh, spy game and compare uh, how they handle that information as well. And then at the end of the class, we would uh, look at the rubric and see who truly is <laughs> the greater Scott. Ah, that's very fun. And that's Cage where we're at. match. Yes. I love Tail it. Tail the tape. Let's go. That's very, very fun. I like that very much. Um, if I were to teach this film in a class, I think I would use it as a module in a class on uh, motion picture technologies. And uh, so it'd be a history class, and we'd think about you know spe- various sort of technological approaches. But I'm I'm talking about trains, guys. I, yeah, you're talking about that train rolling uh, to the station. Yeah, this this is it. Um, and so I hear that train coming. Here we go. Uh, we would begin with uh, Edwin S. Porter's The Great Train Robbery, mm-hmm. uh, which is the first, well, one of the first narrative films, mm-hmm. uh, which involves a train robbery. And so that's a good place to begin. Buster Keaton's The General would be our next entry there uh, for uh, another silent era, but. Uh, Definitely full feature length uh, kind of exploration of t- of things on trains. There'd be clips from I think a little bit of Double Indemnity, a little bit of Strangers on a Train, a little bit of Throws Mama from the Train, and and some of these other just various movies. But I wouldn't actually show any of those in their entirety. Uh, moving up to films in their entirety, I think we would use um, Unstoppable, and we'd also use the great '90s film starring uh, Wesley uh, Snipes and uh, Woody Harrelson. Money train involving a subway robbery. Cool. And so a very different kind of train uh, work there. And then the last uh, thing that I would use in the film is a short um, by Peter Cherchewski, which is uh, an Austrian filmmaker that I've recently discovered, an experimental uh, short filmmaker. And uh, he's got a film called Train Again, uh, using uh, stock footage from a number of films I've mentioned so far and other uh, early uh, cinema films uh, degraded in various ways, either in the celluloid process itself or digitally moshed after the the fact uh, and really sort of interesting uh, correlation he seems, he seems to make between trains and the filmmaking process itself, looking at a, a strip of celluloid as a train track, and, sure. you know, and, and making some of those kinds of connections there. And so uh, in uh, there would be just a train module uh, there, which is maybe a technology you wouldn't think about quite so much uh, in the development of cinema. You could uh, th- even work in both the Fablemans and because of the Fablemans, the greatest show on earth, which yeah. features a big yeah. train crash. And right, right. Part of the Fablemans is young Spielberg or young Sammy Fableman being enamored with this train crash and trying to recreate it with this train set. Right, and I've seen about Bill Morrison's uh, Dawson City as well, um, mm-hmm. which is the the, the film about uh, the. Uh, it's got a lot of uh, let's say uh, Yukon. 
<sighs> Yukon Gold. I forget the name of the Charlie Chaplin film that's found in it, but it's that that end of the line in Alaska, uh, of okay. the distribution thing, and they find yeah. all the film under what was it, a swimming pool or yeah, ice hockey story. Ring. And so uh, Bill Morrison's film as well might be something to think about, you know, and uh, looking at some of these films that aren't directly train related, but it's sort of the train technology is what got the stuff there in the first place, the quote unquote end of the line. Yeah. You know, there as well. So uh, we, we'd keep it, we'd keep it academic instead of just like, hey, here's some fun movies about trains, right? <laughs> um, but that would be uh, the way I would kind of deploy trains as a uh, motion picture technology. Uh, in the course of a class like that. So there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus just got much longer. I believe now it's time to get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh. It's business. It's business Okay, time. we're back. We're ready for business. Um, There's lots of stuff we could be talking about. Um, Trains. They're train. We could we could do trains. Uh, I don't know if we want to do that or not. Uh, but I was I was thinking about this sort of pat. I've seen about Safe House a lot, and this era of Denzel, upcoming stars yep. and Denzel sort of magic Negroes them. I don't know that I would go that far. I, I don't know if he does either. No, I, but, but, I don't but, think but, that but, that's. But, but it is weird. It raises that, yeah. the specter of that trope, doesn't Denzel it? Denzel pair with a, a young white guy. Yeah, it's this. It's Safe House. It's two guns. I guess you could even throw Training Day into this model, but that's you I don't know, know if I put two guns. I mean, Mark's already yeah, Mark's kind of established. There. Yeah, it's just I, I associate two guns and Safe House so much just because they're like back to back. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. There's another film from this era with picture that teams up with the young guy that I think I'm forgetting. Maybe it is just Safe House, Unstoppable, and Two Guns. Oh, uh, Magnificent Seven remake. Oh, uh, right. with, everybody. with everybody with everybody yeah. but mostly chris pratt is sort of the the young the guy under his wing his his horse yeah. book holtz um, well he also yeah. has his parallel protector equalizer man on fire he's doing the old man action thing as well yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it is a big it's it's definitely a part of him aging into a new phase of his career for sure i, I think he does really with Tony Scott kind of transitions into, you know, his old man action era. Mm. But I, I just find it interesting that his old man action era is less Liam Neeson's. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Totally. It, it, it is less the sort of now I'm the one man all by himself who can really, you know, efficiently distribute some violence. And it does become the support role for. Two handers. Two yeah. handers. Yeah. Yeah. And I, again, I. I I, I, I think that sort of, you know, the magic minority trope is a little too far to go with it. But um, I, I again, I think the ghost of it is yeah. at work there, it, right? It, it haunts the picture for sure. I mean, just, I guess, any kind of film that's deploying a, a seasoned uh, black actor in that way, like you do kind of have to cock your eyebrow a little bit and, mm-hmm. and, and watch a little closer for, you know, what it's doing. But I think this film, everybody comes out looking okay. I think yeah. the film manages to get to the end of it without, you know, that specter. Well, and I think the way things. it avoids it is that the hero- the heroism, the way in which the day is saved, is sort of equally shared. That, yeah. That, yeah. That both of them do. It really is both of theirs movie. Yeah. Yeah. In a way that it, it doesn't start out that we think it's going to be mostly pine, and mm-hmm. but it really does give them both that almost equal footing. I think. Yeah. Well, it's really successful in you know the ways in which it like doles out information as far as like the two of them opening up to each other Mm -hmm. uh and like how that the development of their relationship is kind of tied into the raising stakes of the runaway train Mm -hmm. it's just good scripting throughout this i think even the lead up to the train taking off just a sidebar real quick like that it's it's a culmination or an accumulation of, of human error you know the air brake being disconnected 
the track switch being pointed the wrong way, Dewey getting out of the cab after the he set the throttle, and then the throttle being set in such a way that it can slam forward, uh, and then you know the the as you already mentioned, the kids getting out of danger's way is like the end of act one that's you know that's that is the film really taking off so it's and then it's around the same time that we start to get a little bit more info on denzel's you know marriage and his kids and then we in, introduce that pov on the story of his his kids waitressing and then watching you know what's mm-hmm. going on tv so it's just it's just really kind of economical storytelling both in terms of you know setting up the larger world but you know giving pine and denzel both enough to do that it really mm-hmm. does feel like a two-hander yeah, no. for sure, for sure. I, I do wonder. <laughs> again, this is me. It's like I'm basically that I, I I'm quibbling now with bits and pieces of a movie I like. So yeah, I understand yeah, yeah. it's a movie that I like. But uh, there is a sort of restoration of the relationship of Chris Pine and his estranged wife at the. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I your... also yeah. Uh, so he eyebrows be... were cocked in our household about uh, his. Now, for those of you who have <laughs> the just quality list... of Chris Pine's. Those of you who are just listening to this and have not caught up with Unstoppable, or maybe it's been a while since you've seen it, part of Pine's backstory is that there's a restraining order out on him uh, by his wife, I think, uh, Mm -hmm. because he flashed a gun at a cop she's friends with. (laughs) Out of jealousy, thinking he was texting, you know his wife and which i i like that the film is unsparing like it really it's uncomplicated insofar as that it gives him a pretty dirt baggy place to start like yeah. once we learn that that's what he's he's his big stressor is that he's been he has had him taking phone calls at work that make denzel frustrated with him to learn that that is what's going on it's like whoa holy cow okay that's a big thing and denzel has a, a very fun reaction to it but their their relationship becomes reconciled because um he saved ohio he saved well a pennsylvania town, yeah yeah a, a small stanton. town scanton scranton stanton, stanton, scranton yeah. they're all the same the, town dunder mifflin uh, I, I, I just, <laughs> God damn it! I hoped we could get through this episode without mentioning The Office, but I, I guess my dream is different town, though. I wouldn't have said it. Yeah, I know what Dustin did. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, there are more things in Philly than in Pennsylvania than The Office. I, you know, I, I, there's a whole chocolate factory. There is. You a could whole. have mentioned. There's like twelve Rocky and Creed movies. <laughs> right. There's uh, a Bell. Nonetheless, uh, it does seem that the estranged wife says, oh, look, he's on TV and he did a brave thing and cut his foot. So I guess take him back. I guess I can take him back and he's no longer an abusive. Yeah, his his uh, hyper jealous, you know, kind of a frightening person. Yeah, his emotional uh, shortcomings are no longer going to be a problem in our marriage because now he's a local hero because <laughs> he saved a train one time. Yeah, that's, that's kind of. It's yeah, it's it's real screenwriting one on one in a bad way kind of stuff yep. is just sort of the, the the her watching him save the day on TV to as a shortcut to reconcile that relationship. But it did get me thinking. I mean, you know, John McClane's guilty of this in or John McTiernan is guilty of this in Die Hard mm-hmm. uh, with the John McClane character sure, yeah. that he's not supportive and not behind Holly. He's not a great and, guy. And Holly's career. And he does, you know, efficiently distribute the violence and, you know, throw Hans Gruber off yeah. the top of the building. But that doesn't mean he's going to be supportive and a good husband now. Well, which is why by the time we get to Die Hard 2, it's still like on the rocks. By the time we get to Die Hard 3, they're fully divorced. They're fully divorced, they're, yeah. The divorce has been finalized. I guess yeah. sequels kind of help. Nice approach. Flesh that out but yeah. there's a there's a kiss and yeah you know, unless this train goes run away again we don't know that yeah <laughs> where their relationship's going to end up a fugitive train on the loose wow i 
the, the missing needle drop is uh, Collective Souls Runaway Train, right? Yeah. Um, but sorry, I was just thinking about can we get Pine and Denzel back together again? That'd be great. I'd do it. I'd um, watch well, it in a heartbeat. Yeah, it doesn't even doesn't have to be unstoppable too. Whatever Thirteen it is. years later, Pine, like yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a little, yeah, he's a a little, force to be he's a little more with. rugged. He's a little he's more. Got a little, yeah, he's got some patina on him. I would watch it. Yeah, in oh a heartbeat. Love Chris Pine. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan. Does Tony Scott hate cops? I think he hates uh, bureaucracy. I, I in think general, he, I it's very funny how stupid the, the cops, cops are, are portrayed. Yeah, like, and that's kind of like going back, tying back, like not to forgive Pine's uh, behavior, but the fact that he's a cop mm-hmm. and Tony's like, that's you know, like really bad that she would want to flirt with a cop. Yeah, I think it speaks more to how much he may not like cops and yeah, Pine's the, behavior. The film kind of lets Denzel think it's a little cool when yeah. he reacts to it. He he's kind of like impressed at some yeah, level. Yeah. I think you're, and then of course, as you said, as a we, or we haven't said, uh, the, some of the local police try to shoot up the train to stop, <laughs> stop it. it. <laughs> try to shoot at an emergency. They break. try to do the trench run, yeah, and shoot the world's smallest button on the fuel tank. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. It is. Yeah. That so is. yeah, it's an interesting how law enforcement is portrayed throughout this film uh, as not necessarily making things worse, but definitely Just, being fairly inept in their well, response. Yeah. There's even moments, and this is not the law enforcement's fault uh, of stupidity. It seems to me more of a, uh, well, the directorial fault. that they were, They're doing the evacuation. They're doing the evacuation on a road that runs on two sides of the train tracks. At one point, I'm like, you know there are other streets in this town, right? <laughs> you could go a block away and divert the traffic. I don't know. There's some small towns in Oklahoma that have only one way out. Yeah, yeah. but they don't run along parallel to a train track. Uh, they run but, across bridges, well, though. They, well, that's true, yeah. And if the river rises, in Oklahoma, in this economy, in this economy, <laughs> in in this global warming, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, just something I thought about uh, a little bit. I'm there. still blaming the cops on that one. Yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about class? Well, yeah. I was actually. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's weird that they get a little anti-union. I mean, part of the nepotism thing is that uh, Chris Pine's uncle is like a union muckety-muck, and that's how he got the job, and one of Denzel's old-timer c- comrades is is a little miffed about the union gigs coming in, which mm-hmm. I just thought all train guys were... I thought that that was one of those jobs that's pretty much still mostly union participation. I, I, I think it is, you yeah. know. I think that might be more of Tony's politics coming in here a which little bit. Which is kind of weird, yeah. You know... Unsurprising, though. Yeah, as a director, he yeah, is probably constantly ha- taking issue with union breaks. It's like, yeah. oh, I have, okay, I can't drop you off the building any more times today? Fine, go home I, this seems like the kind of history that tony would throw you know yeah that's an interesting take on it yeah i don't know I, it's definitely something it's it's kind of mentioned and done with mm-hmm. so it doesn't really become a, a plot point at any stretch but it is sort of a kind of an interesting call well, it's part of the tension right between yeah. them and then what well, we find out about frank is yeah that he's, he's been, been fired yeah he's on his like last two yeah, weeks 72 days have expired he's got eight left or 18 left I guess. well he does a lot of counting of days doesn't he that's that's one of the things about um he's Denzel's astute kid. Yeah, he's he's astute. He's like, how many years and months he's worked on the mm-hmm. railroad, how many days and weeks and hours he has left before his... It's a fun character, yeah. too. Yeah, it is. It's also fun to, uh, obviously, uh, you know, the guy who's about to retire or uh, about to lose his job is a classic trope, and to kind of the ways in which that's subverted. Number one, he doesn't die. But number two, to just kind of introduce it late in the plot as opposed mm-hmm. to early. It's kind of an interesting a little twist, subversion. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just interesting subversions on... Very common story tropes. Yeah, I'm about to retire, and it's his first week, you know, working. So that's that is kind of fun. Yeah, very classic stuff. Uh, But as far as you know, other class analysis that we could do here, they're they're really we've talked about this already, but it, it really mostly 
the specter comes up in, in the figure of uh, Kevin Dunn's character, the, mm-hmm. the railroad executive, and his sort of sticking his foot in between uh, the collaboration that's going on between Pine, Denzel, and the Rosario Dawson's character, who's a operator or a yeah, traffic like, controller well, yeah, of some kind. kind. Yeah. yeah, traffic control seems to be some version thereof. She's kind of directing all trains and has her God's eye across the Midwest, mm-hmm. the yeah. Iron Belt. Yeah, it seems that way, yeah. Yeah, so it's the three of them trying to come to, together. As well, four if you count Ned out there mm-hmm. chasing tornadoes. <laughs> trying to catch up with the pickup. One of my favorite characters in the movie, Ned. Oh. Ned at the press conference is cracking me up. <laughs> it's all about precision. <laughs> yeah, no, Ned's great. Ned is a, is a very funny character. But anyway, it's yeah, that's kind of where it rears its head, right? And It he does gets... seem like that, you know, uh, Kevin Dunn's character's motivation is less a you know this is what saves me the most money or even the best pr it just seems like i'm in charge i'll make a decision Mm -hmm. it it, it seems to be everyone's looking to me and i need to be the one who decides and it there's no idea but my idea Mm -hmm. it it, doesn't does it make sense yeah it it seems to be different than the sort of like well you know if we have um you know with his monocle in because he's a railroad you can't think of railroad executive without thinking of monopoly man right sure i guess Uh, I mean, in my head, that's Robert how... Robert Barons, yes. Yeah, it's, that's how it looks to me. And it's like, well, you know, you'll make more shekels if you crash it here, if you don't crash it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, he wants the least dangerous... Uh, what's this easiest fix? Yeah. He doesn't want to let Denzel try to catch up with the train. Right. Or, yeah. you know, and it's sort of uh, Connie's telling him other things to do beforehand. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, nah, we're going to go this way. Well, and they're all telling him that the derailer won't work. Right. And he doesn't... He's not ready to hear that. Yeah, right, that kind of stuff. Again, it all... His... his um, authority and incompetence butting up against the lack of authority and hypercompetence. So, which again, classic trope. You know, mm-hmm. we see this a lot. I yeah, mean, this is pretty standard stuff. But it's interesting how it plays. But he's out. not sort of doing the oh, you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet kind of villain. No, right? Yeah, he's, he's not he's, fully evil. Or yeah, anything. exactly. Which is, I, I again, I, I like the nuance there. You <coughs> yeah, know, I appreciate yeah. that. He's just, he's just, he didn't know what he's talking about. You know, like most people who run companies, you know, mm-hmm. Elon Musk doesn't know a thing about how his car works. Yeah. For instance. Well, and Dewey, uh, you know, to bring it down to, you know, the boots on the ground level, uh, Dewey, uh, the Ethan Supley character who gets the train rolling, mm-hmm. um, is, is just, you know, just goofed. Just all, all the worst things that could have happened, happened. Yeah. It was just a series of bad events. And it is weird. The film throws... The one thing that doesn't work about the film for me uh, is the kind of postcard, the post, you know, the epilogue title cards we get on what happened to everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really does... The you know, fast food inclusion yeah. of what he's working in, yeah, yeah. It just you know, it's like okay, why we gotta why we gotta do the fast food industry dirty? Yeah, you know, that's a, people get hurt doing that job. That sure. could be a dangerous job. That's sure, you know, it's just undervaluing that labor. Well, and he's heavy. I mean, that's that's the joke, right? It's 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 a little fat shamey right there. Yeah, poor Ethan Supple's had to eat a lot of that bullshit in his career. Yeah, a lot of parts that have you know used his size in not cool ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he's had work that you know valued him, but I don't care. I'm just an actor that I like a lot. He's and great. He's yeah. good. Yeah, he's really cool. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting how it, how it uses him as far as his incompetence. Like it it definitely has a little fun at his expense by making him just as about as dumb as he could possibly be. <laughs> um, and from what I can tell, that's the one character that information's not out there about. They never disclosed who. Started the train. Interesting. And you mean what happened? The to real story. The real story. Yeah, that's yeah. undisclosed. What happened to him? Who it was, and what happened to the disciplinary? Yeah, that they probably handled it internally. Yeah. yeah. Insofar yeah. as now that internal swept handling, it under the rug. That person is now external to the company. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, yeah, you don't walk away from this and keep your job, probably. Probably not. No, yeah. I, you're lucky mm-hmm. if you're not, you know, if, if nobody dies, you're lucky that there's not, you know, criminal negligence to be yeah. dealt with. I mean, for the record, I mean, it was uh, a, a very, very slow moving train, you know. When IRL. It, yeah, it was, it was. It probably topped out like 30 or 40, yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So just like, oh, we just got to get caught up and get this thing stopped. And it's like, oh, okay, that happened. That's too yeah. bad, you know. So, I mean, conceivably, a person could have kept their job, but I kind of doubt it. Makes yeah. the news. Yeah. Makes everybody look bad. Yeah. Incompetence. Sacrificial lamb. Companies yeah. with stuff on the train are probably like, what are you doing with my, my product? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or are my chemicals just traipsing the countryside? Speaking of toxic chemicals. This, How about Noah Baumbeck in this movie? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Some thrill. It just couldn't help but think about Ohio and uh, white noise mm-hmm. uh, watching this. You know, obviously it's still very recent as we're recording. Uh, Tony Scott could make white noise. <laughs> Damn. But Noah Bombat couldn't make Unstoppable. You know? Hey. <laughs> those are both you might be onto something there. <laughs> yes. You might be onto something that I can't, I don't know that I can argue with you at all. <laughs> it really cannot be denied. It is an extremely Tony Scott movie, too. I mean, you know, what a great one for him to go out on. Yeah. I know I kind of mentioned that earlier, but it just, his style is, is really at the forefront. Yeah. Back to Toxic Airborne events. Did you want to talk about them? Or that they happened? Yeah, I guess, yeah, I just, it's just weird to watch this movie knowing... What ah, happened recently? Just the state of our rail infrastructure. Yeah, you know, you know. So, in New Palestine, Ohio, in real life, there was a, uh, a a toxic spill recently. Dear listener, in case you're listening somewhere well into the future, you know, the abyss of the future. Yeah, if the internet still exists. What we're talking about, and then Noah Baumbach has also just released this film called White Noise, which involves a train wreck with um, toxic um, chemicals in the air as well. Yeah, just uh, very very surreal. Uh, you know. What six? Has it gotten new? New Palestine's only been two months. Yeah, just a few. Yeah, yeah it was early I mean, it was this year. Pretty close to the release of White Noise. Yeah, White Noise came out in December, yeah. and then this happened what by the end of January. Yeah, something like first that. February, something like that. Yeah. yeah, it's just you know, it's you, you hope that the people uh, portrayed in Unstoppable are close to a measure of the level of competence going into the rail system. You know, mm-hmm. you certainly hope that there are real life Frank Barnes's uh, as, as portrayed by Denzel in real life mm-hmm. Rosaria Dawson's. And, you know, it, it definitely bo- boy, does this stuff need to work well? Yes. Uh, and we should probably spend money on it. Yes. You know, controversial opinion, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe our rail infrastructure <laughs> is valuable. Uh, yeah, I, I go to church with a guy who sits on the uh, state um, transportation board mm-hmm. uh, as an advisory board to the governor, and uh, I hear about this stuff all the time. And it, yeah, it'd be nice to see <laughs> roads and bridges taken care Competently of. Yeah. handled. That'd be nice. Thanks, Oklahoma. Yeah, and that's that's where we get to the Hollywoodness of the movie. It is, it is unfortunately the truth that uh, you, the people you want to be the most or the 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 jobs that you would want to have the most competent people possible fulfilling them not always the case no but uh, it sure is nice to pretend sometimes mm-hmm. and that's I, that's i think the fantasy that a movie like this or uh contagion mm. uh, by soderbergh yeah. uh, any kind of disaster film like this it gives that that's that's what it gives us is like the dream of of competent regular folks keeping uh the wheels of society on the car uh, so we don't go careening off the road. And, uh, I, you know, I think that's a valuable story for us to tell. And it's it's good to, you know, we make so many movies about rogue cops. It's nice to just have, you know, committed rail employees. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, 
it's we got to fix this problem, and the, what they're saying is not going to do it. We're going to do it ourselves. I, yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's it's nice, and it's it's good to to highlight people who are do a very mundane, uh, most of the time job, and uh, you know that that is valuable though. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, you know not every profession has the danger of a runaway train to to motivate the uh, the excitement required for a Hollywood screenplay. But boy, wouldn't it be interesting if if every job had a, a worst case scenario that could be turned into a movie. That's all. That's all I'm thinking about. You yeah. know, movies that, that, you know, making more, highlighting more varied different kinds of professions within our cinema. Yeah. Uh, it's just something that, uh, you know, we could probably use more of. Yeah, definitely, definitely could, yeah, use more movies about people who work on lines, you know, linemen, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. That, yeah, I'm, I'm there for that. Well, should we render a verdict? I guess we probably should. What shall we say? Shall the train keep going or shall it stop? Shelf or trash? What do you say for Unstoppable, Arthur? Yeah, I would very easily put it on my shelf. I, I mean, I just really dig it. Uh, I, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I think it's probably upper tier Tony and as his last movie. I think that's an important note as well. Um, and kind of the fifth collaboration with Denzel going out there as well, I think is really, uh, it's a highlight to kind of, you know, unfortunately end a career on. Mm. Uh, and I love it. And so, yeah, I'd shelf it. Yeah, I agree with Arthur. Um, it's it's a little thin on analysis, as you can see. You know, we, we kind of, we, we got as much out of it as we could. But, you know, not every movie needs to have a, you know, a, a depth, depths for mining. Sometimes it can just be purely pleasurable. And that is what this film does. There's clean, good guys. Uh, even the bad guys are a little bit, complicated you know as dustin you mentioned that there's there's some complication to to those characters uh it's just very competently made film really lights out screenplay you know the just the ways in which events follow one after the other motivating the next thing to happen in the story it's just when a movie's put together and just hums it really makes me happy and that's that's what i like about this movie so yeah it's very shelfable it's just and as arthur said for the the tony scott and the denzel of it all like uh, definitely valuable as far as uh, honoring those careers. So yeah, a shelfable movie. What do you think? I'm going to go ahead and say trash, but it's a trash to stream. It, it's, yeah. it's, 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 de- it's so good. It's so worth watching. It's so much fun. It's uh it's such an enjoyable piece of entertainment, but it is a little thin and there are, you know, a little bit of political bits and pieces. Again, I'm thinking about this for a reconciliation thing. It really kind of, you know, puts a bee in my particular bonnet uh, sure. for that. And, and so there's just enough niggling stuff going on there. And it's just, otherwise it's just a very well-made action movie but there's lots of those and uh, they belong on streaming services so that you can catch them as you catch them and uh, I would I would recommend it to anybody but I wouldn't necessarily want to buy it in the era of cable rotation this really would have been absolutely just yeah perfect all the time on you know HBO or TNT for that yeah. matter edited on TNT and they could definitely get away with that. So there you go, Delister. Those are our thoughts on uh, Unstoppable. If you want to correct our thoughts, Dalton will tell you how. That's right. You can email the show, goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Uh, that's where we would love to get your long-form feedback. Any thoughts on Unstoppable or other movies we talked about or movies you want to see us talk about, that's goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us over on Twitter, at goodtrashmedia, tweeting links to this show, other shows in our orbit, uh, just had a, a lovely time at Tall Person, the Randy Newman tribute show last night, uh, hosted by Dan Wade of The Wheel of Randy. It's one of the podcasts we promote. So uh, go check out at Good Trash Media on Twitter. See some of the podcasts that uh, 
we help uh, support, uh, including the Praise Down, uh, with that, that tall person show featured comedy from Alex Sanchez over at the Praise Down. So go check that stuff out. Uh, last but certainly not least, if you want to support us financially, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM and uh, see what's in it for you. All kinds of cool goodies. Uh, from uh, picking a movie for the show to having a movie sent to you by us. Uh, so whether it's a bargain bin grab bag or you uh, getting to take over the programming, lots of fun perks for you over at patreon.com forward slash GTM uh, if you want to help us. You know, we like to watch things that aren't always on streaming. Streaming makes this uh, show a lot easier to program, but sometimes we got to buy stuff, you know? So uh, help us uh, out in terms of experience expanding our horizons programming wise that's uh, that's be a huge help uh but uh, yeah that's all you need to know as far as getting in touch and helping us uh stay afloat arthur uh what should uh, they be prepared to watch for next week what, are, what should we all be prepared to watch yeah, prepare us yes yeah should i prepare you to be yeah. prepared uh well next week you know uh i think we're gonna finish out this bag of potpourri that we've been on for the last few weeks uh, with a tale uh but not just any tale uh, in fact next week we'll be taking a look at a Knight's Tale. Truly one of the great films of the, the oh, first part of the 21st century. Love it. Love it. So much fun. Yeah. It's going to be it's Heath. absolute blast. It's Betany. Is this our first Heath Ledger? Uh, no, I guess we've, we've done, done Dark Knight. Yeah, but first in a and while. Have we done 10 Things? No, we've never done 10 Things I Hate About You. Wow, we really should. We I taught should. it this last semester. I thought you'd done Clueless. You've done Clueless. Yeah. But there's huh. no Heath in that. No. But yeah, not like, not too much Heath Ledger movies. Like I guess a lot of his movies are a little too good for this show. I mean, Brokeback would be... Anti trash, yeah, yeah. So, totally. Yeah. Four feathers tanked enough that we could call it trash. That's true. Yeah, but anyway, a, a movie that didn't tank. Is uh, he in one of those war movies with Gibson? Is he in Patriot? Uh, uh, he's in the Patriot. Patriot. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the sons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Has a terrible. I guess we could end. do the Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus. That would be a that's fun Terry one Gilliam, right? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, Brothers I'm... Brothers Grimm is good trash. Oh yeah, with yeah, him and that's Damon. Up our level, yeah. But again, I mean, this is like. A Knight's Lords Tale of Dog is like, Town with Hardwick as oh, well. Oh yeah, I forgot he was in that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Knight's Tale is like proper good trash though. It's just absolutely like, it is. It's yeah. across yeah. the plate, like a, a charming, crowd pleasing film that's also like really funny, really smart. Uh, and you two will love it. You guys have got English degrees. We're gonna talk about Chaucer next week. Yeah, you, you guys are gonna be eating Chaucer good. as hype man is one of the greatest gifts to cinema. A little bit of Queen. A little <sighs> We Will Rock You. Yeah, I love that. A little yeah. that really Frenchy guy who's the bad guy. Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah. Uh, the the um, protagonist from Dark City. I can't think of his name, but yeah, but he has a strangely like, shaped eyes. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he, he does. does. Rufus Sewell. Rufus Sewell. He's so scary. Uh, yeah, great bad guy. Alan Tudyk. Ah, oh, Tudyk is so funny in this movie. <laughs> and, I mean, Paul Bettany. We already mentioned as Chaucer. Yeah, I'm so excited to cover it's this. Gonna movie. be a good I saw time. this one in theaters. So, so really excited. Yeah. You guys need to check out A Knight's Tale if you have not already, dear listener. And you keep watching, and we'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>